0: everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rashpixel FM. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here alone. My fantabulous partner, Nikki Kinzer, has taken ill and wasn't able to join me. But today we shall soldier on because we have a fantastic guest as we kick off our next series on ADHD and communication. Today we're talking all about ADHD and lying. Before we do that, head over to TakeControlADHD.com. You can get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to our mailing list, and we'll send you an email each time a new episode is released. Connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at TakeControlADHD. And if this show has ever touched you or helped you make a change in your life for the better, if you've ever found that you understand your relationship with ADHD in a new way, We invite you to consider supporting the show and joining our vibrant ADHD community directly through Patreon at patreon.com slash theADHDpodcast. What's Patreon? Great question. It's listener-supported podcasting. For a few dollars a month, you can help guarantee that we continue to grow this show, to add new features, invite more guests, and invest more heavily in our community. To those who have joined already, we thank you. To those yet to join, the door is always open. Visit patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast to learn more. Hey, everybody, this is Pete from the future. And uh, I know it's weird because I said Nikki wasn't here, but... in the time that we recorded this, she went and got healthy. Weird. And we have this awesome announcement and time is ticking. And so because time is not on our sides, we had to jump back in and talk to you about spring group coaching. Hi, Nikki.
1: Hello, surprise. I'm here! Surprise! (laughs) Surprise! (laughs) Yes, so group coaching is coming up in spring and this is a wonderful opportunity to spend some time with a group of ADHDers who get you, understand you and will support you. Uh, We are meeting for 10 weeks and uh, we meet on a weekly basis for around 90 minutes and we do. Uh, some accountability in the group so people will actually uh, have a focus for the week and they'll give us an update on how that focus is going and we'll have great conversation about different topics um, during the time that we're together and then at the end of the group everybody states what their focus is going to be for the following week so it's a great way of getting things done too uh, so, open enrollment is now. So, please uh, visit the website if you would like to uh, be enrolled. It is. I, I do try to keep the the groups on the smaller side. So, it is kind of a first come first. Uh, Serve. I hate saying that, but
0: I know, right? You, you know also, what? I also, mean. no shirt, no service. Shoes, no. Like you can,
1: you can come <laughs> <No> without. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come as you are. You don't are. have to wear shoes. Yeah, yeah, we don't care. Come
0: as you are. <laughs>
1: come as you are. Uh, but the the deadline, which is probably the most important thing for you to know, the deadline is March thirtieth. So I need to have your enrollment by that Monday. And then the groups will start the following week and they will uh, be the week of April 6th and they go into June. So that's it. That's group coaching. And if you have any questions, of course, you can always email me and I'll get back to you as soon as I can.
0: Absolutely. Check out the website, everybody. And now back to the show. We are starting a new series today. We're starting a series around communication and ADHD. Who better? To come back and talk to us about communication, then Ari Tuckman, psychologist, certified sex therapist, international speaker, author of four books on ADHD. You might remember him from late last year when he came and talked to us about ADHD After Dark. That was another first, first time we've ever talked about sex on the show quite so blatantly. So uh, we deeply welcome Ari and are excited to see what new wonders he has yet to share as we talk about lying. Ari, how is it that you come back to talk to us about sex and lies back-to-back? Back? This is fantastic. Welcome back
2: to the show. Well, it is a pleasure to be here. I think it's it's a great topic. You know, it's sort of one of those things that you get an idea and then you start seeing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I've had, I mean, today's Monday, but, you know, like in the last week, I've had a number of situations of clients and we're talking about lying and the truth or lack thereof. Actually, the last person I just saw you know, who walked out of here 15 minutes ago. We're talking about lying and truthfulness. And this is actually the thing I'm going to talk about at the upcoming big international ADHD conference in November down in Dallas, because I feel like this is such a great, relevant, important topic.
0: I, I, I think it's hard f- for people uh, to, to talk about this, and I, I'd like to start maybe, and this is a tough question to kind of wrap my head around, so bear with me. I, when we think about people who lie, we have, um, I, I think, a natural, emotional, and a, dare I say, sort of moral response to it right that that there is this there yeah. is this thing they must be bad people, or they must have uh, some sort of crisis of faith to treat me so poorly or something and here we 're talking about a landscape of uh, fear and judgment and uh, these sort of lie inducing situations when you 're living with ADhD that almost makes lying not a moral landscape but a uh, sort of uh, Mm, I don't know, practical is not the right word, but systemic. It's yeah. it's almost systemic in yeah. living with ADHD
2: that you've come across this pattern. Am, am I saying that right? Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. I think that there's sort of like a slippery slope phenomenon. And, you know, I think just to like start out by defining some terms. So, you know, lying is saying something inaccurate, but, and here's the important part, with an intent to deceive. Mm-hmm. So, If I tell you I did something that I didn't actually do, but I think I did, because like, oh, wait, which math homework? No, I did that one. Now, actually, as it turns out, I'm wrong. That's not the math homework I did. But that's not a lie. It's inaccurate. It's perhaps not helpful, but it's not a lie. So, you know, part of the issue, before we even get to actual lying, is I think folks with ADHD are often kind of dinged for saying things that are inaccurate, but because they're too they use up their free passes too quickly. They're then made out to be liars. Like you told me you did the math homework because you didn't want to do the math homework. Right. It kind of makes sense. Like you could see how there's kind of like, as you know, what are the, the mystery novels tell us, you know, or the court dramas, you know, there has to be in, um, you know, what is it intent? And there has to be something right. gained or something, right. They um, have a motive. So, you know, it's tempting to, 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 think that the person with ADHD is lying, but they're just kind of confusing the details or getting it wrong. But there's also an element here that, you know, I've kind of got this saying that bad situations make bad choices more likely. So, you know, in this case, if you procrastinated on, I don't know, you know, pick a kid example of doing your homework or an adult example of, I don't know, calling the plumber to schedule them to come fix the sink or something, you know, it's if you procrastinated and now it's too late now you're in a bad situation uh either i lie and say uh no yeah i called him he never called me back you know how those plumbers are worst yeah right yeah Yeah. Uh, i I don't know why i keep trying to call him this is like the fifth message he hasn't returned you know or you sort of own it and you say you know what i screwed up like i I forgot, I didn't do it, I should have done it, I got caught up in other things, and you're right. So so it's tempting in that situation to sort of lie, hope kind of like, you know, no one's the wiser, and then you just call in real quick tomorrow. Yeah. Right. And you're done. Now you're not upset and I'm not upset and everybody's happy. So it's tempting, you know, because it does sort of keep a bit of the peace, at least if it works. The problem with lying is that it kind of makes one problem into two problems, right? So the first is you didn't call the plumber. The second is, and now you lied to me about it, which is really worse because now I don't know believe anything, now. right? And, and that's the ADHD pylon
0: effect, right? Because the the bad situations yeah. inducing sort of lying centric situations, right? Where we're that that can happen to anybody, right? Those little crises of of yeah. accuracy, but the uh, the ADHD piece let's say you develop sort of the muscle for integrity, owning it, as you say about the plumber. If you're dealing with the plumber, that might be something. But if you're dealing with the plumber and the fact that a project is late at work and the fact that you haven't paid the bill for your kids' yeah. piano lessons, the pylon effect has to have some sort of exacerbating
2: impact. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think, and that's exactly it. Like if it's just the plumber you know, whatever. Like we can all just sort of take the hit like, ah, yeah, no, I know I should have called. I didn't, you know, that's on me. Don't worry. I'll take care of it tomorrow. But but again, it's a like using up of the free passes. So folks with ADHD often Have spent far more time feeling, you know, being told that they're off task, being told that they're disappointing people, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, so it's easy to be sensitized to that and to kind of like not want to be the bad guy again. Like, here we go again. I'm the bad guy. So, so it's tempting in that situation to sort of lie to cover it up and hope it all goes away. Because emotionally, it's not just about the plumber for the person doing the lying either. It's about all these other things and all this history that have kind of brought into it. To the person who is doing the lying, what's happening to them sort of emotionally, behaviorally, as they slip? I mean, some of it is just sort of, you know, it's that moment of panic. Ugh, I didn't do that thing I was supposed to do. And, you know, for some of them, sometimes it's just kind of impulsive, like they just sort of impulsively lie to get himself out of a bad spot. You know, so that's, so the ADHD makes it easier to put yourself into the bad spot and then impulsively also lie to sort of temporarily get yourself out of the bad spot. But, you know, the reason why it's impulsive is because it's about improving the moment. I'm off the hook right now. You know, and it often the kind of amazing thing to me is, you know, often these are lies that are only guaranteed to come out. You know, there's certain things you can kind of get away with, but there's lots of lies where it's like, there's no way that wasn't coming out. Like, how did you think that it wasn't going to? And the answer is they didn't really pause to think. That's why it was by definition impulsive. You know, like they didn't pause to really think about how this was going to happen later.
0: Is there are you seeing a connection, people who are struggling with their, uh, let's see, uh, ability and willingness to tell the truth, uh, you know, as it is impacted by our current sort of
2: media political landscape and the, the culture of mistruth? Yeah, yeah, I think absolutely. I think, you know, why should I tell the truth about, you know, the plumber when the president isn't even telling the truth about something that was on videotape from two days ago, you know? So so yeah, I mean, I do think that, you know, there is so much more distrust and, you know, news on social media and everything else, and fake news and all like, you know, I think people are more distrusting because it is hard to know what do you actually believe. So I think that, you know, it, it makes it that much more tempting, but I think frankly, it makes the truth that much more valuable. You know, once you lose a reputation for being honest, like it's really hard to get it back.
0: Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree with that. And I, I guess I'm, my, my fear is that uh, the, the sort of ADHD-ness of finding integrity is easily impacted when culture around you is being so impacted and that the value of sort of living in fact and truth is going down. So, you know, suddenly, yeah, I'm late on that project, but maybe the dog ate my homework is is becoming a higher value proposition than just the truth. And, and that I think is scary, and, <laughs> right. and particularly when I'm living in a place where my brain is constantly fighting me for, you know, finding circumstances to ease pain for others who have to deal with me right and that that's really what it is like it's not it's not so much like i i'm just a, a liar it's that there is another reason there's another layer on this cake that says uh, maybe i'm trying to soften the blow for my tardiness or for my lack of paying the bill or for whatever the case i'm trying to make the world a better place and that is, that's painful when it comes into conflict with
2: our ideological worldview about truth. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like, how do I want to see myself? Yeah. You know, even if you don't catch me in the lie, how do I feel about it having done it? And, you know, there's also that whole thing, like to remember the truth only requires you to remember one thing, but to remember a lie requires you to remember two things. First, the actual truth and then the thing that you said, and maybe also who you said it to. So maybe that's three things actually. So um, so it does become more and more complicated. Like you know, it's easy to dig ourselves in deeper and deeper, and you know, it just I don't know. Like it makes a, a hard situation harder. I think in this we're talking a lot about the person who's doing the lying, um, but the thing is, lies are a social thing in the sense that they happen between two people so there's a person who does the lying and there's a person who's being lied to and potentially both have their part to play in the sense that if i tell you the truth and say um so so yeah so i didn't i didn't call the plumber today and you then freak out and start yelling at me and you get angry and you start criticizing me. Here we go again. I can't count on you for anything. Or conversely, instead of like launching into anger, you launch into anxiety of like, what are we going to do? We're not going to get a plumber. And then it's going to keep dripping. And then if it drips, it's going to rot out the basin. And if it rots the basin, I don't understand. I can't keep up. I, I don't know what to do with all this, right? Now you're having a panic attack you know, okay, because the good news is you're not ripping me, but the bad news is you're still creating a bad situation for me to deal with. So, you know, there is a thing of kind of um, lie-inviting behavior, and I'm stealing that term from Ellen Vader and Pete Pearson, um, who wrote a book called uh, Tell Me No Lies. And, you know, but it's this thing where, like, if someone overreacts, then it's, you know, it's kind of like the saying I have is, you can't punish honesty and demand the truth that is what incites us
0: to create a better place, to attempt to create a better place for the person. Because we know now that they're going to have trouble no matter what. Maybe they'll go into rage. Maybe they'll go into defense. Maybe they'll go into panic. But if I have the only lever I can control is adjusting the facts, suddenly my behavior starts to to sway. Yeah, exactly.
2: Exactly. And if it feels that way, that the only lever you got is to change the facts, you know, because you can't go back in time and make it have happened, um, then it does really, it's like you're stuck between two bad options. And, you know, I think it's important to consider the fact that there may be a third option that is harder in the moment, but probably better in the long run. So for example, you know, if the issue is, You know, we really should call the plumber. Like, seriously, we should. But let's also be clear our house is not going to flood, you know, be destroyed in a flood if we don't. You know, if it takes another week, like it's annoying, but it's like nobody's dying from it. You know, it may be that the third option, the better path through this is for me to just own it and say, like, you know what, I didn't call the plumber. I understand I should have. Okay, yeah, that it's a pain. Like, I I will grant you that. Like, it sucks that we can't use the kitchen faucet, but it's not the end of the world. Like, we'll survive this. I will make a note now and I will call them tomorrow. And, you know, so it's sort of like, I don't take on the responsibility for the fact that you're angsting, perhaps overly, about the fact that the plumber hasn't been called today, Mm. right? So it's sort of like, It's my job to act with integrity, to be honest, to be a considerate partner to you If let's say, we're a couple. Um, But it's not my job to be responsible for your every doubt and fear and worry and, you know, to make sure that you feel totally okay in the world. At a certain point, it becomes your job to manage that.
0: Which which is something, right? We encourage that all the time, right? You got to live in your own stuff. Right. You've got to, you've got to take ownership of your own stuff. And that, that, I I think we, I think that's a great model for that, the sort of interpersonal, um, aspect, right? That dynamic of the one on one relationship, but navigating it, you know, I'm, I'm sort of putting myself in the head of some of our community members navigating this whole landscape when you're at work, right? When you work on a project team and you have 10 or 15 people maybe involved in a nest of creating something For the world. Uh, And you have an experience where either you have misstated the truth, you have lied, or you have seen somebody else in a lie, that can be then
2: how much more damaging to the team. Well, and I think that if we rewind the tape on this, sometimes the way to not put yourself into that bad situation that, you know, makes bad behavior seem tempting is to address things right up front to say, you know what? I don't think I'm gonna hit that Wednesday deadline. Like I'm just I'm looking at what needs to be done. I'm looking at what else I need to do. Here's it, like I I can't guarantee you it's gonna be done by Wednesday. And it's much better for me to tell you that on Monday than it is for me to tell you that on the end of Wednesday or Thursday morning. Mm-hmm. You know? So or as you sometimes say it's always better to disappoint earlier than later because the earlier you disappoint someone, the more options they probably have. You know, so so I think it's it's easy for our folks, well, for any of us, but especially for our folks with ADHD to sort of overcommit, um, and sometimes that's because they don't pause to think about, like, I mean, in theory, I could get it done by Wednesday, but let me think. Oh, no, wait a second, I got a dentist appointment Tuesday morning, and I got that other thing, and I promised, you know, Jenny, I'd get, yeah, uh, yeah, that's not going to be done by Wednesday. You know, like they don't pause to really kind of think it all through and make an informed. You know, statement about it. Um, or there's just this thing of like, I don't feel like I can say no. Like I gotta, I gotta say yes, you know, and some of that is making up for past misdeeds, but it just kicks the can down the road and makes, makes it into tomorrow's problem.
0: We talk about that all the time from the other side, right? Like when you're the dangers of overcommitting uh, and, you know, our, our, the line we try to habituate is, let me get back to you on that after I check my calendar, right? It doesn't matter if you know the answer right away, just find an excuse to not answer now. And I think, you know, for from my perspective, that has been enormously powerful for me and my ADHD, which is just default to no slash maybe and not to yes. And it's a muscle that takes a lot of time (laughs) because you know you're disappointing people. You know you're disappointing them, but it does reduce those lie-inducing situations. It takes you out of that
2: precariousness where you have to damage a relationship. Well, what it does is it gives you a few moments to think about it rather than just jerk, respond. Like you said, even if if you know the answer is, yeah, I can do that, it's still like taking the pause to then think about, okay, but then how to other, like that, that thing I'll do, but how do other things maybe get impact? Yeah. You know, so that it, you're kind of better balancing different, you know, balls that you're keeping up in the air. Right, right.
0: and That's, that's not to be understated either because, you know, the, the benefit of being able to take a pause allows you to consider opportunity costs in your life and make choices. And that's something we often feel like we don't have, is choice. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about, for lack of a better word, rehabilitation. Several angles that go into rehabilitation. One, you've got to figure out the relationships possibly that have been impacted by your own behavior. Uh, Two, you know, there's some sort of mental training that goes on, right? At some point, you've got to teach yourself how to
2: be uh, better at this. And three, making amends. One of the things that I sort of tell people, especially if I've got someone who does, you know, kind of habitually does a lot of lying, is that. You know, sometimes even if in the moment you lie and give the convenient answer, whether it's two seconds later or two days later, whatever, I think it's still better to come back and say, um, "So yeah, you know how I said I called the plumber? I di- I didn't actually call the plumber. Like I I said I did. I I didn't do it. So you know, I I just I thought it would be better if I told you that rather than you finding out some other way." or I wanted to be honest, I just kind of panicked in the moment. And, you know, I think that that, I'm not saying you get full credit for that answer, but you definitely get some pretty solid partial credit. Um, And, you know, from the receiving partner's side of that, again, you can't punish honesty and expect, you know, truthful, expect the truth. So, um, you know, so for them to kind of get on a high horse or start guilting or get angry or whatever, like it's not you're discouraging the behavior you say that you want. So, you know, so sometimes we start there. Ultimately it becomes a matter of really setting a reputation of being honest. And the way to believe someone's being honest is that they give you bad news. Right, right. You know, like if they tell is that's how you have faith that like, well, they're saying they did it this time. They have told me uh, recently other things they didn't do. So, so yeah, I mean, that makes it kind of plausible that they did do this thing because otherwise they would have told me they did You know, so you kind of create a new reputation for yourself.
0: I, I, the, the act of sort of making amends, if I put myself in devil's advocate sort of stance, and, and you think about the plumber example, isn't, isn't there someone out there who's going to say, yeah, but two days later, the
2: plumber got called. Why does it matter? Why does it matter? Yeah. And, you know, if it's generally isolated incidents and nobody finds out, I mean, it doesn't matter in that case. But, you know, it might come out. And that's the risk, you know, that you do call the plumber a couple days later and, you know, the plumber comes out and then your spouse talks to the plumber and says, oh, yeah, so... You know, he said he gave you a call, like, you know, like, you know, I guess, have you been busy? Um, I didn't... (laughs) Nobody ever calls me. I'm just a plumber (laughs) that everybody lies about. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Like, uh, no, he called and I picked up and and we set it up. I don't know. Like, no, he didn't leave me a message. Right? Like, the truth has weird ways of coming out sometimes. I mean, it's not to say you can't get away with it most of the time, because maybe you can, but but not always. And like, do you want to take that chance?
0: Well, and I, I just, I I feel like I don't want that question to, to even be sort of self-incriminatory. I really believe what you said earlier, uh, that it takes an enormous amount of energy to lie and maintain a lie and live in a space of mistruth. It takes an enormous amount of work. And if there is anything that we know about living with ADHD is we have our hands full enough already. Right. Right. There is a very practical reason to just live in fact and truth. And, and uh, it, from my perspective, I don't know, it, just, it feels like you're just asking
2: too much of yourself. Yeah, I mean, whose life is so easy? I feel like, yeah, yeah, right. Make it a little more challenging. Let's level <laughs> let's this level, thing up a bit. I'm to just start playing um, games with people. Uh,
0: this is great. Yes, I'm a sociopath.
2: Right. It's fine. So all fine. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and I mean there are times where, you know, kind of little little white lies that, you know, maybe those are a little bit different because that's perhaps more in the service of the person on the receiving end, you know, like do these pants make me look fat? You know, where you're like, ah, crap, there's no good answer to that one. Um, You know, so like, are you being kind of flattering or encouraging in that case? Yeah, you know, like, do they know that you're probably lying a little bit? I don't know, hopefully they should, you know. Isn't that, again, part of the cultural exchange, right? Yeah, but that's a little bit more, I think, understandable, you know, as opposed to... I don't know. Like, I always sort of come back to Sheldon from Big Bang Theory. You know, like, most of what he said that was funny was that he was just being painfully honest. Like, he was just stating the truth as he saw it, that everyone else had the social graces to sort of smooth a little bit. He didn't, he just laid it out, you know? So, you know, so I don't know. I suppose in the most truthful way is to say, Well, honey, here's the thing. Like you really you have not been exercising lately and you are eating a lot of crap at night, and really you have gained a bunch of weight. So so yes, indeed, those genes do make you look fat. Um actually it's your fatness (laughs) that makes you look fat. Right? Like No, no, that's (laughs) not you know, like now, maybe there comes a point where it's like, you know, I need to tell you something. I don't really feel like saying it. You're not gonna want to hear it, but but I do think that you're, you're not taking good care of yourself like you used to. Now, maybe that's a valid conversation to have, but probably not as you're getting ready to go out to dinner and they're asking if these genes make them look bad. In the you moment, what I mean? in
0: the mirror, not the best time. Oh, right. right.
2: So like that's a, that's not an ADHD thing. That's like a whole other, you know, whatever Um truth in relationships kind of a thing. Well, it
0: does get to the um, question of radical candor, right? This is a thing that I, you know, it feels like this has been bubbling up over the last few years as uh, maybe it's an act of the pendulum swinging the other way as one pendulum swings uh, far afield, that uh, there is a a, a a practice of radical candor. Do you have any, any experience
2: with radical candor? Or is that, do you practice it? You know, it's an interesting concept because I think it, like on the face of it, you, you know, we could probably all say, "Well, yeah, sure, you should definitely be honest." You know, we tell our kids and whatever. But, but I think my concern with radical candor is it's sometimes I think you could use it as a justification to be kind of a jerk. I just want to rip you a bit, and here it comes. Hey, I'm just being honest here. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, didn't uh, you know? I don't want to hurt your feelings, but you sort of suck, and I hate mm-hmm. you. Right. Oh, well, if you put it that way, I guess I won't get my feelings hurt, you know? So like, so I think it's a question of what is the motive? Who is really benefiting in the conversation of, honey, I feel like you're kind of letting yourself go and you're not taking care of yourself. That's for your partner's benefit. Now, maybe you get some indirect benefit, but like, let's be clear. It's the receiver who's going to benefit from that. You know, uncomfortable conversation. As opposed, to, I think, you know, you can run the risk with radical candor just kind of being a jerk and being too lazy to filter yourself.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I, this is sort of where I struggle with it because. Y- you know, we see those experiences, right? Those little, we'll call them white lies for the greater good of your relationship, whatever that happens to be. Um, but also the fact that, you know, is there a habituation element to those little white lies? And what you, when you start pushing those bounds, are you just lying about the pants now? Or are you lying about, you know, something else that you have just rationalized that, you know, is, is untrue. So I'm coming at it from the perspective of like, if I want to develop an integrity practice, if I want to find a way to exist outside of lie inducing situations with my ADHD, Mm -hmm. sometimes I have to bring a big hammer and maybe a practice of radical candor is the way to do it. And so the effort is I have to find a way to be more artful in the way I speak or just practice
2: shutting up more. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think that, to really be honest, begins, like, it it's first an inside job. Before a word gets spoken outside, you know, there's a conversation that happens inside our own head of, you know, first of all, being able to be honest with ourselves about it, because like you know, we all lie to ourselves in little ways as well. Some of us quite a bit, but you know, hopefully, mostly just a little bit. Um, you know, so being able to be honest with yourself, be able to tolerate the discomfort that comes out of it, um, and. From there, being able to kind of like manage the emotions of it. So like if you realize you forgot to call the plumber and then go down like a shame spiral about it and kind of beat yourself up and feel awful, like, let's be clear, you're not having a good response to the other person in that moment. You know, first it begins with sort of talking ourselves down from it. And then to be able to be direct and honest and say, you know what? I didn't call. I got caught up in other things. I should have set a reminder on my phone. I didn't do that. I understand that you're really busy and you count on me to do, you know, my share of things. And I, I screwed that up. Like I just should have called. Like that can feel really hard to do to just own it. And yet when you do, at least then it's done. You know, then the conversation becomes, what do we do next? And I think that, you know, one of the ways of sort of making amends is not simply to say, and I will now remember to call them tomorrow because that didn't work today. Right, right. But rather, here, I am setting an alarm on my phone and you are seeing me do it. Or I'm calling my work voicemail and I'm leaving myself a message at work, which I will get tomorrow at work during business hours. And from there, I will you know, make that phone call. So like, you're doing something that increases the odds that it's gonna work out, which makes you then more believable.
0: Can you talk a little bit or reflect a little bit on the fight or flight mechanism and and how that experience can exacerbate your intensity or your
2: instinct to lie? Yeah. I mean, and and that's that whole sort of integrity thing of like if you find yourself, uh oh, in that risky situation, you know, if you panic, if you get emotionally flooded, you know, like you're not pausing to evaluate your options, you know, biting the bullet and being honest, you know, like those are the places where, you know, it's really tempting to just kind of knee jerk lie or to get angry. Of course, I called the plumber. I don't I can't believe you're always doubting me, you know, like, kind of going on on that. Um, or, you know, kind of playing more the victim of, you know, you always doubt me. I can't really feel like a man in this relationship. If you're always undercutting me, especially in front of the kids, let's bring them into it. because That's always helpful to me- messy up a situation, um, you know, and, and then it becomes this giant mess as opposed to just kind of dealing with it as it
0: is. At some point, you know, we've, we've talked about the, the lie-inducing behavior. How would you recommend they approach uh, building trust again, someone who has been lied to, what is trust inducing behavior in that experience? So, I think
2: that, you know, I think it's helpful for the two people. Let's, you know, if we assume that these are, you know, romantic partners, not like, you know, casual coworkers or something, um, like, let's talk about why honesty is important. If you're, if I'm the one being lied to, let's talk about like, what can I do to be a more approachable audience? Why do I feel like I need the truth from you? Why is it important to me? What does it do for me? And conversely, when I feel like you're not trustworthy, how does that impact how I respond to this? How does that impact other things in our relationship? So it may be that this conversation about trust kind of, you know, goes a bit further afield into other topics, which is, you know, are all connected. Um, I think for the person who with ADHD has been doing the lying, maybe it reflects the fact that they need to sort of reset some expectations to say like, you know what? I can't promise you those things. Like I don't, it doesn't work out. Like it stresses me out when I don't do it. And then it freaks you out when I don't do it. Maybe we need to reassess how we're doing some things around here. Or maybe it's the thing of like, you send me a quick text tomorrow afternoon. Like just check in, make sure I called. Like when it's still business hours and I can still make the call. Don't wait till I get home at dinner and then we're talking about it. You know, so like the non ADHD partner has to put in a little bit more effort to remember and send a text, but it's less effort than the actual calling. And if a quick friendly reminder does the job, then maybe everybody's happy, right? So maybe that's the solution there.
0: Right, right. There's a, there is sort of um, a balance in relationships. And and we'll speak in terms of sort of couples, but uh, you know this works as, at, at work as well in, in many relationships, right? The idea that there's somebody who generally is gonna do the dishes and somebody who's gonna do the laundry, right? There's a division of labor. And maybe that extends to the partnership around calling the plumber. I need an accountability person to help me. We've talked so much about the, the sort of cloud of the experience of the law Lie, that you're absolutely right. We haven't talked about the accommodations that may need to be in place to remove lie inducing situations from
2: the scenario. Yeah. And that's some of this, you know, it may be that one of the setups for, for the lie is I don't want to give you a reminder, but like, you need to just remember it. I don't want to give the reminder. And on the one hand, I don't know, like that might be a valid position given the balance of, you know, responsibilities or whatever, maybe it is. On the other hand, if it's easy enough, then maybe you yourself are better served by just giving the reminder. Like maybe you get more of what you want if you give a quick reminder. You know, so so it's all about striking a better balance of effort within the relationship. You know, it's not about the non-ADH your partner has yet one more thing to do, because like that ain't gonna work. Um, you know, but finding the balance, the reminder is given nicely, the reminder is taken nicely.
0: You re- recommended already, I think, as an aside, uh, Tell Me No Lies as a resource that you have, uh, have been looking at. Any other books or resources that you recommend people check out if they want to learn more?
2: You know, like the obvious answer here, like most broadly, is anything related to ADHD. I think it's going to be helpful for both partners to kind of set their expectations. Um, you know, obviously I would make the recommendation of my newest book, ADHD After Dark, um, better sex life, better relationship. Um, you know, I don't have a chapter on lying in there per se, but, you know, I think generally speaking, this is an aspect of relationships and the better the two of you are getting along in other ways, you know, maybe this kind of plays out in terms of, you know, the lying behavior or lack thereof, hopefully.
0: All right. We will put those links in the show notes as always. Where else
2: would you like people to find out more about you? Sorry. best place is adultadhdbook.com and I've got information on my books and my podcast but also I've got a bunch of recordings of you know podcast interviews and webinars and other presentations and whatnot so lots of good resources there
0: link in the show notes for that too uh i'll I'll tell you what ari it's always a pleasure to talk to you and this is I know it's a conversation that stresses people out uh, you know with adhd people who've experienced it who are experiencing it who have a hard time with it so uh, i i really hope that uh, our conversation has at least helped to ground some of the high emotion that comes with this territory Thank you for this today, Ari. Appreciate it. Yes, indeed. Thank you all so much for joining us today. On behalf of Ari Tuckman and our poor ailing Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next week right here on Taking Control, the ADHD Podcast.